0: Hey, everyone. Sean here. Real quick before we start this week's episode, wanted to let you know that we are hiring across the board in operations at Drift. So if you want to learn more about our operations team, what we're building over here, head to drift.com jobs and check out the open operations role. Looking forward to connecting with you. All right. That's it. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Operations, the show where we look under the hood of companies in hypergrowth. My name is Sean Lane. I spend enormous chunks of my days thinking about the day in the life of a sales rep at Drift. Where are the opportunities? Where are the inefficiencies? Where can our operations team just simply make the reps' lives easier? And the truth is that there are just so many different things competing for time and mental headspace in that rep's day in the life. Apps and tools, managers, Salesforce, prospects, not to mention the 17 tabs they have open at all times. So how can we as operators help to cut out the noise and think about things from a rep's perspective and not our own? That's exactly what I asked today's guest, Michelle Peach. Michelle is the vice president of revenue at Dooley. Dooley recently raised an $80 million Series B round, and they're a tool that helps reps to update Salesforce, take sales notes, and easily manage all their deals. Prior to Dooley, Michelle led sales teams at Utest, Datadog, and here at Drift. And as someone who worked closely with her for multiple years, I can tell you firsthand, she's one of the best partners that an operator can ask for. In our conversation, we talk about building sales teams without much instrumentation, how to get on the reps level before pushing out new processes, and competing for that precious reps workspace we were talking about earlier. To start, though, I asked Michelle what it was like coming into Dooley's young business and how she prioritized where to focus first as a new VP of revenue.
1: So when I started at Dooley, there were only two sales reps that were there three weeks before me. So basically starting from the ground up, clean slate, and... I started by listening to all the calls that we've had previously to my start date and then what's happening in real time. That allowed me to understand what our prospects are saying and what our sales cycle may potentially look like. It's going to change over time, but listening to calls and listening to the sales reps is where I started. I then will look at top of the funnel. So everything that's coming from inbound all the way down to what the sales cycle looks like today. So how many leads are each rep getting? What are those leads look like? Who are the titles and contacts? Where are they located? And that was actually really hard to do because we don't have the mechanisms in place today. So it's a lot of manual effort, identifying the size of the companies, going to LinkedIn, using the free version of most things because we are very scrappy at the stage we're at today and identifying where we move the needle on the lead side. And once we figure that out, we identify our messaging, persona-based. What does that look like? What tools do we need to put that in place? Because just sending manual emails in Google is archaic these days. No one does that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> And I had to figure that out relatively quickly so we could scale our messaging and hit our contacts fast. And then obviously what our overall sales process is going to look like, which is really hard when you don't have any tools or anything in place, which is still very much a challenge for me today because we don't have much in place.
0: Is that fun for you, or is that frustrating for you, right? Like you've kind of gone through this before, you did it at Datadog, you did it at Drift, coming back to that point where there's a very small number of reps and th- there really are no mechanisms in place like is that thrilling to you, or you're like, oh man, like I wish I, if I only had this
1: Yes, so it's fun, and that's why I like doing the early stage startup, but it is frustrating in some days because I am used to having dashboards and every piece of data in front of me to identify where I to turn the the lever there. And I have to remind myself that it's okay, we're going to mess up because we don't know. And that is the fun part about it. You have the ability to experiment and identify areas of weakness or where we should run towards. And it's all right to not know the answers this early on. And I have to remind myself that because, as you know, I'm very data driven.
0: I also would imagine it makes it easier to make those changes on the fly too, because you have a smaller team, you're not so entrenched in this is the way we do things. It's a little bit easier to steer the ship, right?
1: Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. I have my reps experimenting on so many different ways to message how we position our trial. Is it one month? Is it six months? Is it paid? So we have the ability to switch things up. And that's the exciting part at this stage. Eventually, we won't have that. It's going to be a very strict process that you follow. But now it's just we're trying to figure it out as we go.
0: Michelle and her team at Dooley are in the midst of a magical time in their company's growth, constantly testing and iterating on new messaging, making changes on the fly. And all of this, as Michelle mentioned, they're doing it without a whole lot of instrumentation in their business or at least not as much as Michelle would like. Having a clean slate like this does have its advantages though. As an operator, that clean slate is something that's exciting to me. But of course, you need to prioritize how you're gonna start to fill that slate up. So I wanted to know how has Michelle done that with her team at Dooley?
1: It's sitting down with the reps and identifying what their day looks like. What are they doing? and where's all the noise coming from? What's getting in their way? And how can I make their life easier? And there's a balance there because you could add 10 different tools in front of your reps, but is that more noise? Probably. So what is important for them and how can I make their life easier? And immediately it was, let's get a sequencing tool out. And then if you're doing outbound how can we get contact information for the reps So they're not digging through Google and LinkedIn and taking hours of their day to identify an email address for a prospect that they're reaching out to. It's listening to your team and just asking them. And the more that you sit down with them and I like to do town halls this early on, just really what's getting in your way, what's working, what's not working and sitting back and listening to what they're saying, not dictating the conversation and not being involved in the conversation, just listening. And they know what they want. They know what's going to make them successful. It's just a matter of what's in the budget, what is realistic today. And you can have a tech stack of 20 different tools. Every rep has used a different tool at their previous organizations. But there's a a few key ones this early on that are important.
0: So in terms of those key ones, you mentioned sequencing. It sounds like some version of enrichment in some way, shape or form to help them build out those contacts and accounts that they're breaking into. Any other big categories?
1: For me, enablement. So we use Gong and that has been so helpful for not just the sales team, but also product, marketing, engineering. And it's something I wish I did more in my previous roles, taking the time to listen to calls for more coaching. And you can focus on something really small, like just discovery. It's the first 10, 12 minutes of a call and you can identify areas of improvement there. But the reps go back and listen to their calls as well to identify areas that they need help on or where they couldn't get a next step and how they can improve going forward. That was my first purchase at Dooley was gone because we needed to hear what our prospects were saying. And then more for product too. It's really important for product to hear what people are asking especially as you're building, you're trying to figure out those aha moments in your product, and your demo. And how are you going to do that without actually listening to calls? And it's so easy. Most people use Gong or Course, but it's so easy to just add a snippet here. This is what this prospect wants. How many times do you hear that request? Then you go and then build. That is super important. The email sequencing tool, a scheduling tool, for meetings like a drift or a chili piper something easy for people to come and schedule for with your reps and that is where we're at today and as we start to build out our marketing automation and that tech stack we'll start to talk about like bigger purchases
0: yeah and it's always funny especially for folks like you who have come from bigger organizations where there is this temptation to say oh i I need all of these things that we had when we were way more mature give me my ABM planning tool or my like six Sense intent tool, you know what I mean? And you need a way to email people, you need a way to do research, you need a way to book meetings. That's the kind of foundation that you can build everything else on afterwards. Tell me more about the town halls, because I would imagine at the stage that you're at, as you are trying to figure this stuff out, that's probably one of the best places for you to kind of separate the signal from the noise within the team.
1: Mm -hmm. I've learned that it's best to get on the reps level before putting out a process or dictating something that they're supposed to do without actually understanding what their day is like and what's getting in their way. As you know, we've rolled out a process before and just shipped it and expected it to work. And it doesn't because it may not make sense for the reps in their day in the life. So during those town halls or just the collaboration meetings where the reps are talking about This is what's working. This is not, this isn't working. Hearing what they're doing in their day and any hurdles that they're getting are coming in front of them. Like for example, not having contact information. That's really important. If one rep said it, okay. But if all five, 10 of your reps are saying it, then you know that that's probably an issue that isn't necessarily impacting one rep, but it's impacting the entire team. And then you have to think about the amount of time five, 10 reps are taking to go find contact information. If one rep is telling me it takes me an hour, you have to assume everyone else is taking an hour to find contact information. That's 10 hours out of their day. So that's the ROI right there to go fight for that tool or to fix that process. But it is important to get on their level to understand what's getting in their way. And like I mentioned, let them talk and just sit back and listen and unpack a little bit more by asking the reps open-ended questions. You, know, you teach them to ask open-ended questions on sales calls, but also do that with your team to just dig a little bit deeper to identify how much of this is really a pain for them, or are they just complaining? Because you'll hear so many different opinions of which way we should go, what's working, what's not working. But once you start to hear themes, you figure out that it is actually truly a pain for everyone on the team.
0: You can get such a good sense for the kind of sales leader that Michelle is from those last few minutes. She just listens. It sounds simple, but it sets her apart. My biggest takeaway is her concept of getting on her reps level before pushing out new processes. If you have a growing sales team, can you adopt Michelle's town hall forum to make sure that you're offering up the space for reps to give you the feedback from their day in the life that you might be missing? You can see a theme emerging here, right? Finding the pain points in a rep's day and solving for them. This theme isn't only true within Michelle's sales team at Dooley, but across the marketplace. So many tools out there are competing for your rep's workspace, their desktop, their home base for their day in the life. Tools like Dooley and Drift, Gong, Outreach, Clary, the list goes on. Michelle finds herself at the center of that every single day. So I was curious how she thinks about competing to be a core part of a rep's day in the life.
1: You'd be surprised of how many tools there are. It's wild. Every call I'm on, there's another tool that we have to Google and figure out what is this tool? I've never heard of it before. Everyone's trying to compete for the same thing. And for Dually, we... Actually, take the noise out of the reps day to day. So, if you think about any rep at this moment, probably has twelve different tabs open, and you're probably implementing another tool for them to use, whether it's a sales enablement tool or a prospecting tool or a proposal tool. And all they want to do is sell. That's all they care about is selling and making money and hitting their quota. So, duly actually reduces the noise. And for me and for you, we have to forecast, right? We have to roll up a forecast. Mm -hmm. We have to understand how we're going to hit our number. What's going on in the deals. So how are we going to do that when our reps have so much noise in front of them and they don't put anything in Salesforce? That's the biggest pain. Nothing's in Salesforce. And it's because all they want to do is just focus on their deals So where Dooley comes into play is we make that easier for them to get everything into Salesforce and we reduce the amount of noise and friction that they have directly in front of them. So take those 12 tabs down and just put it into Dooley and you're actually putting all of your data into Salesforce to make their forecasting better, to make the manager's life easier, to make the reps life easier. So on the management side, sales upside, you can identify areas of coaching because everything's actually in Salesforce now because of Dooley. As opposed to the amount of time that I've actually spent hitting reps up saying, your Salesforce is a disaster. Can you please fix it? And they're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I have time on Thursday night at nine to put all my data in Salesforce. No, you don't. I know Friday morning, I'm going to come in, I'm going to hit you up again. And the biggest pain is they think it's just they're doing it for me and you on the off right. side. And it's not, yep. it's identifying areas that we can coach you on to move your deals forward. If are you going to hit your goal? I have no idea because you don't have any deals in Salesforce, but at the end of the day, some reps, those deals are real and they end up closing them. They go from zero to a hundred close one in a 24 hour period. So there's a lot of noise, but that's where Dooley can come in and help.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. I've never had this problem before. This is, <laughs> this is super easy. Everybody updates all their ops exactly when they're supposed to. I am, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Do you think, though, like in all seriousness, like I get what you're saying about at the end of the day, the things that we are hopefully, if designed properly, the things that we're asking for of the reps are supposed to help them, right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen like that moment where it actually does switch over for a rep where they recognize that, again, if you're asking for the right stuff, not just if you're asking for everything under the sun. If you're asking them to tell you or to document or to articulate the right stuff that is actually going to help them do exactly the things you told me they like doing, sell more, hit their number, make more money. Have you seen that transition in reps where they all of a sudden like that light bulb moment goes off? Or is this just like a constant struggle forever?
1: It's when they win a deal and they can tie it back to whatever you told them to do or whatever process you put in place. Again, it goes back to on the manager level, they assume that I don't know what's going on in their day in the life because I'm not in their shoes. And I tell them to do something and they're like, whatever, she doesn't know that Prospecting is going to take me six hours to break into this account, but I do know because I've been in your shoes and I've sat down and I watched you go through this process, and I know that's a pain in the ass. And I'm going to help you, but they have to come to that conclusion on their own too.
0: Michelle's point here is important. It's not enough to just reduce the noise or solve for specific processes in a rep's day. The solutions we pick need to add value in the form of helping those reps close more deals. Now, that's a tough gap to bridge. Sales leaders like Michelle can approach these conversations from a point of experience. They've been in these deals, they've been in their rep's shoes, and they've been successful. But oftentimes, operators don't have that same luxury or personal experience to point back to. We still need to help shape that day in the life, though, so what do we do? I asked Michelle what advice she has for me and for operators like me to be able to approach these conversations with empathy.
1: Build champions. It's like sales. You identify a small team that you are going to try something out and trial it out with an idea of what success will look like and have these champions internally on the sales team almost be like train the trainers at the end of the day when you go to implement that tool. And it's typically your top reps if a mediocre bottom of the barrel rep sees our top rep do something they're most likely going to do it because they want to be that winning rep they want to be the shining star and when you have your handful of reps that you can build up within the team doing what you expect them to do odds are everyone's going to follow suit
0: Before we go, at the end of each show, we're going to ask each guest the same lightning round of questions. Ready? Here we go. Best book you've read in the last six months?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Professional or.
0: Doesn't matter. Whatever you want. Best one you've read?
1: I would say 15 Ways to Success would be the most recent one that I've read. And it just gets you in the right mindset of building confidence and don't ever necessarily think that you can't do something but you can and it talks a lot about henry ford and edison and how they thought about building out their businesses and really using your mind and not failing
0: nice all right i usually ask at this point your favorite part about working in ops so i'm going to ask you your favorite part about working with ops
1: oh ops are my partner partner in crime I couldn't do my job without a solid ops team and a solid partner. And that's because I really enjoy looking at data and understanding where we're going to move the needle, what's working, not working, and think about more of a strategic play. And you can do that without data based off of whatever you've done in the past, but ops, they're my go to. It's really important to have that partnership super strong and understand how each individual works as well. So I've worked very closely with you and we would meet weekly and you would help out with forecasting and identifying areas where we could run toward. So it's building that partnership and that relationship is also really important.
0: Yeah, I can vouch for that. Not just blowing hot air. That absolutely happened. All right, flip side, least favorite part about working with ops.
1: Oh man, that's funny <laughs> because... It might have to do with not being able to buy the tools that we want to buy and (laughs) coming, sometimes being a bottleneck where it's like, hey, listen, I have 10 reps paying for this out-of-pocket. Can we just buy this tool? You know, we have a process. You can't just buy every tool, but that would probably be it.
0: That's amazing. Someone who impacted you getting to the job you have today.
1: Oh, that's a heavy one. Do you want titles, names, or...
0: Whatever you feel comfortable with. Names is fine.
1: I would say my previous CRO, Josh Allen, he helped me identify areas where I was weak in management and also areas where I was strong and helped the way that he coached and listened provided me the opportunity to grow my management style and also the way I look at the business and Also build up my confidence a little bit too. So he was a solid leader.
0: Last one, one piece of advice for people who want to have your job someday.
1: I would say set goals for yourself, find a good coach and never give up because it is really hard and you're going to have really shitty days. But if you continue to focus on the end goal in sight, you will get there.
0: Thanks very much to Michelle Peach for joining us on this week's episode of Operations. If you liked what you heard, make sure you're subscribed so a new episode comes into your feed every other Friday. Also, if you feel like you learned something today from Michelle, leave us a six-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, six-star reviews only. All right, that's going to do it for me. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.